welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Palmwood Podcast. Today's message is about the ascension and session of Jesus. Two theological words, but they describe two really important things. First, after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended or went up into heaven to be with God the Father. Second, Jesus is seated at God's right hand, a very important position. His session is about where he is seated and what he's doing there as king. This message was originally recorded during the time when the Palmwood Church family was meeting virtually because of COVID-19. We were not able to use our regular audio equipment while we were webcasting remotely, and sometimes that older stuff we were using just didn't cooperate. So that week, I went into my podcast studio where I record these intros and also my other weekly podcast, The Minister's Friend, and re-preached the message. That's why it sounds a little different than usual. I hope God gives you some great insights from our time together. And so today we're looking at the phrase, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that's, again, about his ascension and what we call his session. Now, church folks probably have heard these terms before, but they may not actually know what it is that we're talking about. The ascension of Jesus is that moment when Jesus visibly and bodily was taken up into heaven. And it was before many witnesses. This was not done in secret. This was something that was done before a lot of people. There's a big audience when it took place. The session of Jesus is the ongoing rule and reign of Jesus from the very right hand of God. And we're going to talk about these things today. These are literally just as important as the resurrection of Jesus, but most Christians today, at least in North America, really don't understand that. Um, you know, we've got a whole holiday that centers around the resurrection. It's, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We really need to to hold the ascension and session of Jesus as just as important as the resurrection of Jesus. And I hope that by the time we're done here today, uh, you'll understand why. So let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for technology like this that allows a, a reboot on the sermon, on the message from yesterday. And and Father, I pray that those who uh, have desired this, who are listening to the series on the Apostles' Creed, uh, Father, this really ministers to them and helps them have some clarity on why each of these phrases, these stanzas in the Apostles' Creed are so critical to our Christian faith. And I pray particularly today, Father, for what we're going to talk about on the uh, the, the ascension and the session of Jesus and what those things mean for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, help me to decrease. Um, help your word to increase. 
May your Holy Spirit anoint me and give me the ability to be your conduit to communicate the truths of Scripture today. May your anointing also be on those who are listening, that uh, they don't just hear a good message, but they, they have conviction where they need to be convicted, clarification where they need clarification, and that all of us are blessed with a clearer understanding of our faith so that we can walk it out for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get into the message itself, I just want to do a little housekeeping here. If you would like the notes that go along with this sermon, uh, you can always download the PDF version of those from our website. You can go to www.palmwoodchurch, all one word, dot com, P-A-L-M-W-O-O-D, church, dot com. And uh, across the top menu bar, there's a a menu uh, item there called resources. If you click on resources, you can go down to sermons, click on sermons. This Sunday sermon will, will currently be at the top. And if you click on that, there's a file there you can download with the PDF uh, with blanks that you can fill in from this message today. So let's begin by talking about the ascension itself. What exactly did Jesus do? Now, the ascension of Jesus should not have been a surprise to any of those people who were under his teaching for three or so years. Now, we're talking about the disciples, of course, but there were a lot of other people that followed him around on the hillsides when he got into the boat and taught on the beach and all those other places. These were places where Jesus had already alerted his disciples and his followers of his ascension. He never hid from them that he would one day return to his Father in heaven. It's also important to note that Jesus also had warned his accusers that he would take the seat of ultimate authority as God's son. Now, we're going to talk more about the right hand of God in a minute. But remember, this was something that was already understood in the first century, at least by his disciples, because James and John actually demanded that seat of of power when Jesus came into his kingdom, when, when Jesus was made king. They wanted to be on his right and on his left when he came into power. You can see that uh, story in Mark chapter 10, verses 37 through 40. In fact, uh, in one of the gospel accounts, they even got their mama involved to insert her influence on Jesus to make that happen. So just what happened when Jesus' ascension to heaven took place, and he, he took his rightful place as, as session to rule and reign. Well, the story of the ascension of Jesus is actually split up between three different passages, one in Matthew's gospel, one in Mark's gospel, and one in the first chapter of Acts. Now, in a minute, I'm going to help you see the whole story by taking those passages together. And you'll see what I mean when, when we get to that place. But what I want to do here is explain the different parts of the Ascension story and take them from those three passages and put them into sequence so they actually make better sense. I think that that will help us to process through the events that took place on the day of Jesus' Ascension. And so, first of all, Jesus' ascension began with a priestly blessing over his faithful followers. Luke 24, verse 50. Now, I absolutely love this. I love that the last thing Jesus does in his earthly ministry was to bless the folks. (laughs) 
to all those who've been following him, particularly the disciples, of course. But I have this, this image of Jesus standing there on the hillside, raising his hands in Aaronic style. So the, the way that Aaron, Moses' brother, would have blessed Israel in the Old Testament. Jesus now raises his hands and he blesses his followers. And as he blesses his followers, Jesus also commissions his faithful followers to continue what he had begun now under his authority. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Mark 16, 15 through 18, and Acts 1, 8. Now, all of the ascension accounts from Matthew, Mark, and Acts they all three teach that Jesus commissioned his followers. And what I want to do, uh, I want to bring these passages together in a way that will really tell the story. So some of you may be aware that there is a Bible study tool called a Harmony, and it's produced for various parts of the Bible. There's um, a Harmony of uh, kings and chronicles there's there's a harmony of the gospels there's various harmonies and what a harmony does what this tool does it's a book for example we talk about the gospels it has all four gospels in columns on the same page and it takes the the passages of scripture and splits up the paragraphs so that as you read them you're skipping from matthew to mark mark to john john to luke and so on and so forth so that you're reading sequentially what takes place chronologically in the life of Jesus, if, again, if we're using the example of the Gospels. So what I've done here today is to create for you a harmony from the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Acts of the, the Ascension story, because as you bring all three of them together, it makes this absolutely beautiful account of what took place that day. And I want to read that to you now. So, um, you'll, you'll recognize these passages of scripture if you know those, those, um, various verses that it's taken from. But what I've done is I've, I've basically weaved them together so that they tell the story in chronological order. And here's how it goes. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight, and he sat at the right hand of God. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them to confirm his word by the signs that accompanied it. You see, Jesus, as he was preparing to ascend into heaven, commissioned his faithful followers. Third thing that happened is that Jesus was surrounded by the cloud of God's glory, Acts 1.9. Now, those who know me have heard me refer to this before when talking about the ascension. There, For some reason, so many people think that Jesus um, went up riding on, I guess it's a cumulonimbus cloud. <laughs> These clouds come down, fluffy white, puffy clouds from heaven, from the sky, in the blue. They come down, they get around his feet, and then he goes riding up on them like an elevator. That's not what happened. This cloud that surrounds Jesus at the ascension is the Shekinah glory of God. It's the same cloud the people of Israel have seen of old. Think about in Exodus. It's a pillar of cloud that led the people around the desert by day. The, the presence of God himself. It's the same cloud of God's Shekinah glory that, that covered the tent of meeting. It is the, the same cloud of, of God's Shekinah glory that overwhelms the, the top of Mount Sinai. In Second Chronicles, it's that same cloud of God's glory that, that was so thick and so heavy in the temple that the priests could not minister. It's the same cloud of God's glory that surrounds Jesus and Moses and Elijah at Jesus' transfiguration when, when uh, Peter, James, and John happen to get, they, they get to see Jesus in his glorified state. This bright cloud that overshadowed all of them was the glory of God. And in Revelation, it's the same cloud of God's glory upon which Jesus returns. What did the angels say? Men of Galilee, why are you staring at the sky? This, this Jesus who was taken up from you is going to come back in the same way. How? On the cloud of God's glory. Fourth, Jesus was taken up into heaven. Luke 24, 51, Acts 1, 9 and 10. Theologian Elmer Towns says that this was both an ascension and an assumption. Now, let me explain what that means. As far as the ascension is concerned, that first thing implies that Christ is entering into the presence of God in a triumphant display of power and majesty. And it's his own power and majesty. He is worthy. He can do this. But the second, the idea of an assumption, emphasizes the Father's act in exalting his son and putting heaven's seal of approval on all that God did on earth. 
Um, Elmer Towns writes that in Theology for Today, page 246. I love this because there's two things happening simultaneously here. Jesus is fully worthy to ascend on his own up into heaven. But at the same time, the Father is saying yes to Jesus and is giving him his approval. And so you have both this idea of an ascension and an assumption taking place at the same time. I love that. Fifth, Jesus ascended to the highest heavens, exalted over and ruling over the entire universe. Uh, You can look at several verses, particularly Ephesians 4, verse 10. But he's in the highest place. Think about what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He says that, that God raised him up, exalted him to the highest place. God gave Jesus a name, the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, not any other name, but at the name of Jesus alone, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus has ascended to the highest place, the highest heavens. Six, Jesus is indeed seated at God's right hand. Mark 16, verse 9, Acts 2, 33, through 36, Acts 5.31, Acts 7.55-56, Ephesians 1, verse 20, Hebrews 10, verse 12, 1 Peter 3, verse 22, Revelation 3.21, and Revelation 22.1. I mean, there is ample biblical evidence that that is where Jesus is, at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is the place of power and influence. Jesus is God's right-hand man, the one that is most trusted, the one that is is on near equal position. If this, we were talking about a, a, a an earthly king, this would be his most trusted advisor. Those of you that are familiar with the, the Old Testament story, think about Joseph, the son of Israel, and, and, and how he went from being a prisoner, wrongly accused, yes, but a prisoner to being the second in command over all of Egypt and its possessions under Pharaoh. Only Pharaoh himself was not subject to Joseph. That's a right-hand man. Now, it is said, just kind of for trivia purposes here, it's said that this phrase, right-hand man, actually comes from the days of chivalry. Somebody told me this years ago. I actually don't know if this is true, but I'll go ahead and tell you what I've been told anyway. That that a king's most trusted regent would always be on his on his right-hand side. And the reason was is because most people are right-handed. And if somebody came to attack the king, then his advisor, his most trusted person, his right-hand man, will be able to grab his sword and wield it without any obstruction. And so he was always on the king's right. Finally, Jesus' ascension concluded with an angelic announcement. Acts Acts 1, verses 10 and 11. This is so cool to me. How did Jesus arrive when he was born? with an angelic announcement. 
We all know the Christmas story. The baby Jesus is born in the, in the stable. He's placed in the manger. And what happens? The heavens over the, the fields of Bethlehem where the shepherds are, they erupt with an angelic message. And so now as Jesus arrives, there's an angelic message and also as Jesus departs. In the Shekinah glory cloud of God, there is an angelic message. It's like bookends on the the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. So that's how Jesus' ascension unfolds. Now, what I want to do, I want to spend the remainder of our time explaining what it means. Because I told you, it's just as important as the resurrection. And we need to understand why. First of all, Jesus' ascension and his session, that is his rule and reign from the right hand of God, made possible the sending of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, John 15, 20, John 16, 7, Acts 1, 5, Acts 2, 1 through 4, and verse 33. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples just a little bit before he was betrayed and crucified. He said, it is good for you that I am departing. And why did he say that? Because he goes on to say, because if I go, then I can send to you, the word there in Greek is paraclete, one who comes alongside. Some English translations uh, translate it helper, some translate it comforter. But the point is, the Holy Spirit is sent because Jesus is there in the position of authority and can send him. His ascension and his session made the sending of the Holy Spirit possible. And the Holy Spirit comes down at that moment to be with the church and remains with the church until the very end. Isn't it interesting, when you read the book of Revelation, you don't ever see a reference to the Holy Spirit except with the church. Think about it. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The Holy Spirit came at the command of Jesus once he was uh, ensconced on his throne in heaven, and the Spirit has been with us ever since and will be with us to the end. Jesus' ascension and session also initiated the outpouring of spiritual gifts. John 14, 17, 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 8, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Well, this makes complete sense because if the Holy Spirit is coming, the helper, the comforter, well, then also the spiritual gifts that are, are with him come with him. That makes sense to us. These special expressions of, of grace that come by the power and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit operate under the rule and reign of Jesus, his session, from heaven. Jesus' ascension and session guarantee the imparting of spiritual power. Well, that also makes sense. Matthew 28, 20, Luke 24, 49, John 14, 12, Acts 1, 4 through 5, and verse 8. Jesus promised his followers that they would be endued with power from on high to be his agents, to be his witnesses from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. 
Jesus told his followers that they would accomplish even greater things than he had accomplished during his earthly ministry. This spiritual power is how these things happen, you see. Jesus' ascension and session continue his mediation between God and man. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 and and Hebrews 7 verse 25, which is particularly special to me. You see, because Jesus is at God's right hand, because Jesus is his right-hand man, his most trusted regent, co-regent, his his advisor, if you will, if there is such a thing as advising God, Jesus at least, at the very least, has the ear of God. He is the mediator. He is, we're told, the intercessor for us before the Father. Paul says there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus' ascension and session also made possible our eternal destiny. It made it a reality. John 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. You know, ultimately, friends, um, there's a lot of, of things that we are in Christ. Uh, there's the, the references that tell us that, that we have died with Christ. Um, in fact, the, the whole baptism narrative from Paul talks about how I, I use this when I, when I baptize people because we baptize by immersion at Palmwood Church. As somebody's going down into the water, I talk about them dying with Christ. And as the water pours over the top of them, we talk about being buried with Christ. As they come up out of the water, we talk about being raised with Christ. Well, there's another piece to the puzzle. Believers also are elevated with Christ. Remember, Jesus did say, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where? In my Father's house. John 14, verses 1 through 6. Paul tells us that that believers appear with Christ. Where? In glory. Colossians 3, verse 3. Paul also tells us that our citizenship is not here on earth. We're aliens here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3, verse 20. He says that we've been raised up with Christ and are are seated with him in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, he even says that you and I are going to be with Jesus and we're going to judge angels. You see, believers in Jesus have a heavenly destiny with Jesus. Finally, Jesus' ascension and session ultimately realign everything. And I do mean everything. John 12, verse 31. Romans 10, 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 15, 27. Ephesians 1, 20 through 22. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. 1 Peter 3, verse 22. Revelation 5, 1 through 14. Friends, are you ready for all the garbage of this life to be over? Are you ready for a time when, when, when there's, there's no more crime? There's, there's no more corruption. There's no more deceit. There's no more power brokers impacting people's lives. There's, there's, there's no more illness, no more cancer, no more coronavirus. It is Jesus who makes all things new again. 
the way they were intended to be. And as I've said before, and I will say to my dying day, what Jesus intends, what God intends through Jesus is to take us back to the garden, to God's definition of very good. You look at the end of Revelation and you see there's the tree of life again. There's, there's again entrance to the way things were intended from the very beginning. And all of these things, all of these things, friends, are wrapped up in Jesus' ascension and session. I believe in Jesus Christ that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Can you agree with me that these doctrinal truths are essential to our Christian faith? Let's pray together. Father, make these things very real to us. There's always a risk with a series like this that, that we can get overly academic. We can learn facts and not grow in faith. And Father, I, I actually pray against that right now. My prayer is that, that as we learn the, the importance and the impact of Jesus' ascension to the right hand of the Father, and that from there he rules and reigns forever, that we will always be cognizant of what that means for us as the redeemed, the followers of Jesus Christ. Encourage us with this, Father. Embolden us with this, Father. Help us to step out in the faith that you've already given us, utilizing the gifts you've already designed into us, bearing the fruit of the Spirit that comes with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Make it all real. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.